Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 455. And this is one of those episodes where I finished it and thought that is as good an episode as I've ever done. I'm chatting this week with Self-Esteem, a singer that I had recommended so many times in recent years, Rebecca Lucy Taylor, a.k.a. Self-Esteem. And I have a thing, I spoke about this with Sleaford Mods, Anytime anyone pops up and they have any songs or anything with anything close to some spoken word in it, I have loads of people tweeting me about it or DMing me about it or whatever. And I have a natural resistance. <laughs> so I held off on self-esteem for a bit until friend of the podcast, the Dr. Susie Gage, reached out and said, you've got to check this, this person out. So I gave him a listen and they're absolutely astounding. Melissa also, who who works at the label, hit me up about having self-esteem on the pod. So I did kind of a deep dive and I was blown away. This is going to be a bit of a long rambly intro. For anyone who's new to the podcast, if this is your first time listening, these are conversations. It's not an interview. So don't get mad when it's not just, here's question number one, here's question number two. We go back and forth. We talk over each other. We interrupt each other. It was glorious. I really enjoyed chatting to Rebecca but one of the reasons I was so excited about it was I connected with so much of their music as I started hearing it and for those who are from my fan base I want to give a few examples and say kind of where I recognized the energy from because not only connected with what was being said but connected with creating about this stuff and in this way I'll explain I mean, a few of you won't know, I used to do music for many years. And we touch upon that. Me and and Rebecca gigged together. I'm sure it was twice. I know it was at least w- once in a previous incarnation or band that they were in. And yeah, so I started doing a deep dive. I always go to music videos first because music videos were a huge part of my creative process. And we talk about that and there's a connection there. But there was a particular song... Um, um, how can I help you? In How Can I Help You? And I'm going to get real specific. The first time they say, I don't know shit, the passion with which they say that, I, I just, I always connect with people who <laughs> swear passionately. Minor threat. You, you tell me I make no difference. At least I'm f- fucking trying. What the fuck have you done? The fuck there is something I connect with passionately and it 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 jumped out in this track and it made me think of chatting with Zane Lowe a good few years ago and he said the reason that my line in introduction you see a mousetrap I see free cheese and a fucking challenge connected with so many people wasn't just because it's a decent little line it was particularly in the music video it comes across but in the recording obviously the fucking how much I mean it as I'm saying it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the, the the fuck there is really meant. I connected w- with that. And then there was another bit um, on the big s- single. I'm terrible with song names. I do this all the time. There's a line where they say, let me think and, and get this right. You're beautiful and I want the best for you, but I also hope you fail w- without me. It just made me think of the start of a song of mine called Stunner. Where I go, um, I know it sounds weird. I do want you to look back on this and smile, but I kind of want that smile to be through tears. And again, all of these 
connections. Let me make this clear. I don't think the lines are the same or anything like this. I just think the energy is the same. It's the same fucking energy. And when you recognize an energy that has really poured out of you in a visceral manner in someone else's art, it's a buzz, man. And we talk about that a little bit. And then the final part I wanted to say before we get into is firstly, prioritized pleasure is worthy of all the awards it's getting. It's worthy of all the play, all the praise. And I recommend you go on YouTube and watch the three videos off of this record, I believe it is, because they're all great. But there's one track that we don't really talk about. We kind of talk about, we touch upon the, the subject addressed in it, but I didn't explicitly say this particular track. But Rebecca doesn't know this. I was invited along to their London show. And I didn't go partly because I'm still being incredibly COVID cautious because I've got family or high risk, blah, 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 blah. But part of it as well, I've talked before how I'm a big kind of, <laughs> I get emotional at crowds connecting over music. And we touch upon that. Like I've given numerous examples of of YouTube videos I regularly watch and just cry my little heart out. I adore it. This is such a weird reference. But there's a video of Deacon Blue doing Dignity at Tea in the Park. And it's the first time they'd performed in Scotland for a long while. It was the first time they'd performed were their kids watching and the crowd sing the whole thing and man the tears in my eyes every time part of the reason I didn't go to that gig is I'm not ready to hear I'm fine live and with a crowd and with a crowd specifically of women and queer individuals connecting two things over the chorus the, the the part that's the where it's it's repeated at the end and it's more of a sing along and then a particular moment right at the end of the song just when i listen to that song it destroys me the first time i heard it i listened to it at least four or five times in a row in my car driving and tears in my eyes and i was instantly thinking it's a song that is about a subject as a male as a cis male a cis, a cis, a cis white male I've not really had to encounter, but I know so many women have had to encounter. And just the thought of the connection and the unity, I'm getting choked up now, of people in a room all feeling that and singing along. Man, heartbreaking. And I, 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 that's genuinely one of the reasons I didn't go to that gig. I was like, it'll break me, man. But I honestly think I'm fine, which isn't a single or anything. I think it's, there's not been a better song written in the last decade and i mean that wholeheartedly i think it's a fucking work of art of a song i wholeheartedly recommend check the videos out enjoy the wonder that is is self-esteem the mixture of pop sensibilities poetic lyricism frankness brutal honesty and then go and pop i'm fine on in some headphones on your own or in your car on your own or whatever else and man i think it's just a beautiful piece of of songwriting and it's astounding i'm heartbroken that this wasn't one of the songs that got a music video as we discuss in this chat i'm a music video man i always was with my music i I was always kind of picturing the videos in my head beforehand i told you this would be a long rambly intro and i apologize i'll stop now (laughs) and let you get on to our chat but i wanted to give this passionate wholehearted endorsement so that any of you listening could go and check out and enjoy 
and share self-esteem's work. I'm really excited about the play. A prima facie, it's getting amazing reviews. We talk about that as well. We talk about a lot. I'm going to stop rambling. As ever, this podcast is brought to you by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. That's where you can buy all my merch. You, you, you can catch me over at twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pipio. I'm going to do a stream at some point soon where me and Stu Whiffin just sit on stream and cry at videos on YouTube. And it was inspired by us talking about that Deacon Blue performance. There's a particular crowd sing-along of one of my favourite Proclaimers songs. And I want to just spend an hour or two <laughs> just on YouTube crying at crowds coming together in unity. Anyway, you can watch that all over at twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pipio. Let's get on with the podcast. This is Rebecca Lucy Taylor, the amazing self-esteem on episode 455 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. Oh, actually, before we go into it, if this is your first time listening, I just mentioned Sleaford Mods that have been on. We mentioned Idols in this chat. Joe from the Idols has been on. There's been loads of people that we mention have been on. Kate Nash, just loads. Loads of good people. So go and check the back catalogue. Anyway, now let's get on with the episode. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've rambled far too long. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. Right, there we are. I'm here today with self-esteem, Rebecca Lucy Taylor. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm really good and I'm really excited to talk to you because there's so much of your journey that I just, and your music and everything, that I just connect with massively. So I was was doing all my prep and I was like, oh, this is going to be a great one. But before we get into it, how are you? Like we were just, just talking about kind of the burnout of of promo of everything going mad are you okay yeah we were just saying like maybe starting to say no is gonna start happening for the first time in my life it's obviously it's a great problem to have yeah but i'm just finding that if i've got any time now whereas i used to probably like i don't know do my washing or go to the galleries or all the things that life was about yeah (laughs) i just sleep i just keep sleeping any yeah. second I've got and it's kind of making my brain quite dull and uh, I went into the studio the other day and I really struggled for the first time like ever in my life to come up with anything and then I was like ah, oh, I think this is what happens when you burn out yeah <laughs> but it'll be fine it's it's a mad one though isn't it because again like one that on on some of the research I was reading about you talking about this last album being the first one where you went oh fuck it I'm just gonna enjoy myself and make a record and I think the music industry is really weird because no, ma- no matter how well your intentions are going into it, as soon as you're into it, you're surrounded by talk of chart positions, of ticket sales, of record sales, and of all these other things. And even if you think you're ignoring it, it seeps in at points. So, and again, it's a similar thing on the promo thing. You're you're very much encouraged in this industry to think. How lucky are you to be doing this? Which, 100% true, but also, it's fucking hard work. So you can get in that mode where you're like, I'm going to say yes to everything because I want to promote myself as much as I can. I want to work as hard as I can. And then it builds up, right? Yeah, and like, I've learned the hard way now. You know, I've I've been having some big meltdown crying days where I can't understand what's wrong. And, you know, anyone outside of me can see that 
it does take its toll and it's not sort of natural or sustainable. Whereas I'm like, my whole career has been me like begging people to look or listen or want me. And and obviously it's fantastic that they now do. <laughs> but <laughs> but I do need to be a bit more careful, I suppose. And, and the nature of what I do is very, I don't notice it happening in the moment, but me being really honest and open that's where I'm comfortable and, and, and hiding anything or trying to curate myself. It, it makes me uncomfortable. But I think ultimately somewhere along the line, being that on show does does take it out on you somewhere. And I don't know, figure it out. I was, I was, I was talking to a mate of mine recently who's an actor and writer. And again, we've known each other years, been slaving away for years, and he's just blown up and become huge. And he was saying how much he's struggling. And the way he described it is a prison of your own creation, um, <laughs> a, a prison that you absolutely built yourself and you've been trying to get into for years. And then you get into it and go, oh, I'm in this now. And <laughs> and yeah. there's no exit. And I think the thing you have to do is, this, as 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 much as I'm pushing the metaphor here, is just try and make sure you hang up nice pictures and stuff like, <laughs> like along the way. Because it is, it is this weird thing that you've strived for years and years to get to where you are. I remember the first time I got, a US tour and I almost quit music altogether because I felt so guilty. Again, particularly being working class, I felt so guilty that all my mates still worked in record shops and that. I'm living the absolute dream and I was miserable. It was too much. Mm. It was too hard and I was exhausted. I wrote out like a letter of of resignation kind of thing and all that. And I didn't do it in the end, but struggles, particularly mental health wise, are relative. And I think we have a lot in society where we tell ourselves, oh, people have got it worse. And that's really bad for us mentally, right? Because it means you don't address it and acknowledge that you've got a right to be to be having a crying day or, yeah. or whatever else it may be. <laughs> it is all relative and you can't... I mean, it's like therapy 101 is to be like, I would go in there and be like, oh, it's really stupid, but I feel like this. And it's like, well, it's not stupid. And like, yeah. It's just, it's what it is. Definitely can like... To be honest, um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for me. And uh, but I do know there's kind of no answer. It's just more like learning how to make it livable. Like putting the pictures up in the prison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like now you know two days of promo, but put them all on the same day. We haven't even been doing that. You know, it's been like scattergun all the time. Yeah. Because I was fine with that. And then when you add in gigs, and then I just did a soundtrack for a play, and that was like load of work and I had to be really professional and really try really hard and it's that dawn you know it's a wonderful problem to have when I used to not be as successful I would you know get pissed just so I I was hung over the next day so I had nothing to do because I had nothing to do do you know like awful behavior like that all through my 20s and like now I love having to function like this and be this present and good but uh takes me getting used to and also this fear all the time of like is it going to go away like i've been working class yeah. as well like the money thing is insane like i'll get offered to do something that's a faff and probably annoying but if it's like more than 200 quid i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know how i'll ever get out of that <laughs> yeah exactly and again you have the guilt of the working class guilt of thinking it's not a proper job um and, oh, again, yeah. I, I, I remember doing the edinburgh f- f- fringe and I, I worked myself into the ground because in my head I was like, I'm only doing like a show every night. And that's an hour's work, really. But a show every night is fucking exhausting for 19 nights job. In, yeah. in a row kind of thing. I was like, right. But in my head, I'm like, I can't be having days off and that because it's not real work. <laughs> no, I know. Same. Even, gig, even touring, I'm like, 
I felt I feel all I mean this has been drilled into me in a you know for different reasons but if I need anything or uh, on tour or or if I want to pr- preserve my energy before a show I, I feel ridiculous I feel like such yeah. a pretentious idiot but it's true and I don't know I don't know when that'll change and like I keep saying I'm really not complaining I'm just adjusting <laughs> No, but I've got a summer of festivals, and it's going to be very like sublime to ridiculous kind of bookings because, like I said, everything's changed over the last sort of six months. So there's a lot. It's going to be varied. <laughs> I tell you, this conversation is going to be such a mess for people to listen to because there's already like five things in what you've said there that I want to f- focus <laughs> down on and talk about. So I can't do them all at once. But um, one of the things I heard you on another podcast talking about on 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 Cuddle Club. I, I love Cuddle oh, yeah. Club. I love Lou. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. And you talked about, again, it's another thing that I, it, it's the first time I've I've missed gigging in a while hearing you talking about this. You talked about kind of being a good support act. And I think there's there's a real buzz about that. I remember, again, starting off just the excitement of, of winning over crowds. And I remember hearing mm. mates who went to see idols that were like blown away by what you guys were doing. And again, it's not exactly the obvious fit and mix but the reason I mention that now is that's also how I felt about festivals there's something slightly different to your own headline tour that's amazing obviously to get to that point is amazing but then to go out there and have to win new people over there's a buzz in it right there's a there's a bit yeah. of a, a thing like when you know you've worked hard at it you're like no I'm I'm, I'm confident in what I've got now so yeah. let's go and win them over so are you excited about that element of it and do you enjoy yeah. that side of things I do. And I, I think being in a band for so long, for so many years, we were consistently supporting people. Like that was my intro into music at all, was being a continuous support band. So it's just sort of stuck with me that like whatever you do needs to pull focus or be interesting or win people over. Or, But yeah, you're right. Like my headline shows now, it's, it's such a treat to just not have to give you context or, or, or try and make sure I make sense straight away because people... I'm, there's just like a level of understanding me if you're at self-esteem show but having said that you're right like festivals are fun and we're really like I always had this dream that I remember seeing Janelle Monet at South by Southwest and all her crew had tuxes on and they were just like everywhere mm. around the festival you would see these like amazing looking people in tuxedos and I was I always wanted to rip that off so that's why we have like the t-shirts and things and like just love the idea of us these you know in well five women bounding through festivals yeah and terrifying people <laughs> i love that stuff i remember i gigged early days a lot with a paloma faith and i remember her avoiding festivals for a long time because she's not a very festival p- p- person and then mm. when she finally accepted some i remember being at that festival and i thought oh, i'll go and see if i can find a, p- a paloma in her band and that and you could spot them a mile off because they were yeah. all exactly that it was like oh there they yeah. are that's clearly yeah. that's clearly i couldn't see paloma yet so i could cool. see everyone just dressed impeccably yeah, and, were fit, yeah. <laughs> yeah and going for it but i mean sp- speaking of doing it for a long time and having experience we g- gigged together in 2008 i i sure i sure we had and then i, was, I did a bit a, a bit of googling Peggy Sue and the Pirates EP launch yeah. at the Bricks oh and Windmill. God, yes, um, I opened up I doing remember. spoken words, and you guys. I remember. I, I remember you guys just having a huge sound, and it being one of those kind of 
a launch gig that's quite intimate, but then you get to, it was a variation of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. That's been a minute. I actually remember that and I and I <laughs> blocked a lot of things out. So that's yeah. amazing that I can remember. Yeah. So, oh, wow. So how was it, How how's it been kind of thing on that journey? Because it's a weird thing that, I don't know, when you start off doing anything, normally that's the bit when you think, I'm going to be a, a superstar. And when you've been doing it a year or two is when you go, all right, well, there's other levels, there's different things and things like that. So how's it been to kind of have that, to find, you know, you, you guys got to a good good level still, but to find that kind of, okay, I'm part of the music industry kind of level and then have a, a, a prioritised a pleasure last year just blow up. How How's that journey kind of been? And was it as unexpected as 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 it would seem? Yeah, very much so. I was really, I mean, I've always been addled with this stress and jealousy and like, why not me? And I would find, you know, find it all really awful because it it would project it straight back onto me personally. I was in a band and I thought, I felt like if I was better or hotter or cooler, things would be different. And like always blamed myself, even though we were doing well, you know, and it was, it was a viable life and we had a career and I, but now I see I, it was so not me. The music was not representative of me. Yeah. And knowing myself now, like I do, and that I'm an artist and I have to do this, you know, there's no, there's no way around it. And to need to create and, and have a platform like we did, but I wasn't creating me what I, I wanted sort of drove me a bit crazy, really. So as soon as I went solo, that has been it. it that first album, like I was like, it was just blissful because I was like, oh, I'm finally free. I'm finally making what I want. And the knock-on effect of my mental health has been incredible. Like I, yeah. I feel so much less frustrated all the time and I feel like life isn't passing me by or I'm like all these things. And I, I enjoyed that so much. I kind of didn't notice at first. And then it was like, well, it's not sold many and we didn't get on Radio 1 and all this, all that bullshit comes in. And I was just like... It's the playlists every time. It's the playlists uh, that the, the, the get in your head that you're like, oh... Well, one of our songs was was on the playlist or played or whatever else, and this one isn't. Why not? It's uh, weird how it all. Yeah, it's still getting me now. Like, and you know, str- really struggled with it. And then in the pandemic and whatnot, I was like, I just had a real penny dropping moment where I thought, I've got out of a small fan base, I'm making another album. I'm doing it. You're living the dream. You're an artist full time. And if you to like try and block out the noise of all the like this playlist that playlist this award show that that award show if I just sort of really try to not think about that then I'm happy and this is good and I accept exactly where I'm at and then of course as soon as you get to that place in your brain and you give over to the universe and accept whatever comes and and now I'm yeah now I am on all these things yeah Although it's still not quite, like, my Spotify numbers aren't good, apparently. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, bruv. <laughs> I've done all this work. <laughs> but the, the the thing that I really like is your fan base really, really give a shit. Like, they, they, they're they really into it. And I, I, I always get angry. I'll have people every now and then, particularly since I stopped doing music, saying, oh, underrated, underrated. And I'm always like, well, no, because that feels disrespectful to her. Because the people who do rate me... <laughs> Oh, we're always so lovely and proper rated yeah. me so it's and it feels like that with your fan base i had i've had loads of people like b- before i'd really heard your stuff yet i'd had numerous people ask for you to be on the podcast to tell me i should give you a listen and there's a beauty in that and i think sometimes that 
bigger and deeper connection comes from artists who are that open in their work, who are open to talking about mental health, sexuality, the ups and downs of everything. And so do you feel your rawness there is, is, is key to that relationship? And do you feel any pressure going forward to be like, right, you might want to write a song about a dog you saw or, or, or (laughs) an imaginary trip to the moon. Do you feel a responsibility to go, here's more of my trauma? Um, Uh, (laughs) Dig in. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Great question. I don't think I feel a responsibility. I've only ever done it this way. You you listen to slow club songs. I'm still singing about how I feel just under the, in a sort of covert stealth manner (laughs) that got through the uh, indie okays uh but i i've said this a lot but i've i'm uncomfortable when i'm pretending to not be this like my whole 20s were like me trying to be cooler uh more whatever uh, more demure woman that pulls focus in a room all all that sort of thing and i'm not none of those things i was just this big disgusting mess and letting myself be exactly myself means i'm free and i'm and I'm also, I've got an armour now. So I think I will always be furthering that need to tell you it all before you can have a problem with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I'm such a people pleaser, it's chronic. And I think a lot of my work or this need to live so openly and truly is so you, if you've got all the facts, then you can't be mad with me. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of sad things to uh, admit. But... Or, or, or you can be mad at me f- for the right reasons it's genuinely yeah. one of the reasons i started this podcast i was like wow. I, I was like i want people to know me better and if you fucking hate me actually hate the actual me not the version of scroobius yeah. pip that you think i am or yeah. whatever else it's like i'm fine with that if you think i'm a dick because and you know me or you yeah. know me to be a dick but it's the people that's the stuff that would get to me the people who have got the wrong idea or i feel have got the wrong idea of me and are hating that and it's kind of like it's weird how that stuff can get to you because yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's not you, so you shouldn't yeah. get angry or offended by it. But it's more like no, that's not what you think I am is wrong. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that honesty and and openness is a wonderful thing, and it excites me that that this album has been the one to pop off because there's so again, as you say, you, you you've always spoken honestly in your art, and again, allow us two working class people referencing our, our art um <laughs> and, and, and not feeling pretentious is. but again you 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 um your openness honesty has always been in your art but it feels more at the forefront on on prioritizing pleasure and that excites me because that's the one that's blown up so now going forwards you have that freedom do you know what i mean even though yeah. spotify numbers will come into your head or whatever else you have that freedom because you know that the shit that made it all pop off was the most raw and the least for the public as such from what I was, I was reading as well it was the most just for you that mm-hmm. everyone are connected with so does that excite you with an eye on 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 the next music and projects yeah massively i think it's really cool that i made it quote unquote by doing in this way that is completely me and what I thought. Like, I do this all the time. Is the song that changed things for me. And, you know, three different people who I respect and trust told me it's too long and it wouldn't work. And I really had to stick to my guns to get it out even. And even that, I'm like, well, I, I used to think that 
the industry, like people had access to this formula or something that I didn't get access to that would change everything. So like big pop stars have songwriters that they work with and they, you know, there's this magic thing that if you do all these steps, you become a big artist. And I was so sure that that's why I wasn't, I hadn't broken through and no one sort of cared about anything I was doing was because I just needed access to that. And then I sort of did get access to some of those sort of things and did songwriting sessions where I was like, no one's knowing anything more than me particularly. And I don't know, really, you know, it all felt very uncomfortable. And so I, in a way I had to go through all that to prove, to see that, you know, this type of artist I am, yeah. it's just this, unfortunately. And I hope it continues to grow and be successful. And I love not being totally skimped, but, I also can't be sure because we are still living in this world where, you know, TikTok can change everything for you if you can be asked to, to figure out how to use it. But I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, I think all of these things as well, like I've been asked over the years to do like speeches or whatever uh, uh, about the industry and stuff like that. And I always kind of have to say, I've got nothing to, 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 to tell you because my belief <laughs> on social media is, because we at one point had really good traction on social media. Like we might not have had the biggest numbers, but the response was always huge, you know, mm, comparatively. Mm. And I was like, well, I've not got a social media plan. I just, I I happened to enjoy at that point, t- Twitter and Instagram. Mm, mm. You can't teach that. You can't teach harm mm. to enjoy it. And TikTok's exactly the same, I think. I'm not on it, but I know people who proper enjoy it. And it's like, <laughs> I, I'm aware that at some point it could click and I'll be all mm. over that. But at the moment, I'm not enjoying. I don't. I've not got an interest in it. So you can't force that, right? You can't kind of go. Here's the things that that, that you need to do in the industry to. Well, they to do that. Like they that. do yeah. like that because I'm still like you know. I wish I had more budgets for videos and things like that. I wish I had more. All these things, they just get replaced with new. Um, why not me's in my mm. mind, and and that's why I have to avoid like the plague because it's so detrimental to the work. It's like insane and my life, like. I hate that feeling so much of thinking, oh, I should have been at that or why aren't I someone that gets, you know, awards and things. That's yeah. just grim. I hate it, but it will find me because I'm human. But yeah, things like this TikTok debate. I just think, well, if I did a TikTok that made this song blow up, I don't think I'd be happy. <laughs> I'm yeah. so much happier that like the song got its own little place in the world like it did. And But then, I don't know, I love making money, so maybe... I- you know, yeah. that would override it. <laughs> There's a balance, isn't there? Well, you you mentioned music videos, and I want to get into that a bit more because your videos are great. And again, there's that excitement that they're clearly your vision. You direct most of them, right? I want to kind of know what your plan is going forward because when I moved from music into into acting and into writing scripts, I had loads of people saying like, oh, how, how are you finding the transition? How have you done this? It was never a transition in my head. The music mm-hmm. videos was me writing and directing and acting. Mm-hmm. B- before I had success in music, I was making little short films and, and stuff like that. So it was always one journey, but it seemed to surprise people. So I want to kind of know if you've got any aspirations in that direction or plans, because from your music videos and from the way you write and the way you perform even, like your st- stage performances, there's theatre in there. So, so yeah, have you got plans in that direction? Is that somewhere you want to go? Oh yeah, like I I directed quite a bit of uh, quite a few things, and then I I did the whole thing where I was trying to get directing jobs for other people and like doing music video treatments. And, yeah, 
<laughs> I realised like I was like so involved in trying to do that that I forgot that I've got an, a, an original career I should get on with. It's weird, isn't it? Because I think it's a different thing. I did a few different, I directed a few other people's videos and I enjoyed it, but still I'm like, well, because of the way I write, I used to write my music, I'm working on the video the whole time I'm making the song. Like there's things Same, coming yeah, into my head yeah. and little ideas. So it's like, yeah. this is completely different to go to someone else's work and go, well, here's yeah. an idea then. It's it's not quite the same yeah. as that that stuff that you've like, as soon as you're making it. Like I'm terrible at song names, so apologies. But as soon as I saw the video where you're on the drums and heard that beat, yeah. I was like, well, this was, yeah. this was always the video. This feels yeah. like this was always <laughs> it. This was always the video. This is always the live version. That yeah. That's what it had to be from the inception of the, the, the song from what I could see. So... Yeah, how how's that all look going forward? I guess. Yeah, I, I want to do more, and I just hope it's so it's like you can do anything with time. If there's yeah. no money but loads of time, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if there's no time and no money, <laughs> that's yeah. when it becomes a bit of a ball. Like so, those those three videos from this record, it was more like I am such a Scrooge. I was like, what budget is there for? For, for them all because let's make this work and I really had to strong up it's really stressful though and hard and I really didn't enjoy having to be but that the, there's something in me that's very like excuse me sorry do you mind if I take the lead on my own thing that I've created <laughs> mm. I'm still a bit weird like that so my logic always prevails <laughs> I sound like such an arsehole, but I'm no. like, no one knows it better than you. No one's going to care about it more than you. And no one's going to probably be more savvy with the purse strings than me. So yeah. <laughs> I just took it on. And that's what I think I'll do again. I'd love, you know, I watch some, you know, mass, you know, One Direction lads get video budgets yeah. that I could only, what what I would be able to do with that. But again, you just have to accept what it is and, and do what you can with it. We'll see on the next one. Videos become really... There's an argument to not have them now. It all comes down to money and it's also dull and un- uncreative. So, yeah. But you're right. Like I've never thought about it like that, but I, when I write songs, I'm imagining them live or as videos. I'm, yeah. the, I'm never imagining them as like playing at the dinner party. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. I'll go on like that. But I made this short. I've written a few things. I've written a few plays. I've written... I've written a um, sitcom sort of idea thing that I'm working on because I fancy doing all that. I kind of think, why not? Like, and you, you know, can exactly yeah. the, the, the why not is exactly right. There's a there's a rapper I'm a big fan of called Jean Grey in America, and me and her connected massively on the why not. Like she's now writing mm. loads of TV shows and doing so mm-hmm. many different things. Yeah, because b- b- both of us would just d- d- DM each other all the time, like everyone's hassling me for new music and it's not mm. what I'm feeling at the moment. Here's mm. what I'm feeling. I want to go yeah. and do this. And Yeah, yeah I had to have all... that sit down recently and be like, I'm a multimedia artist, right? Yeah. There, there might be, I might want to do, say this in this way, this in this way. I'd love to. Uh, and what's been cool is I think I used to definitely want to be famous and somebody and a celebrity and get sort of slightly sniffing around that a bit. And not that that's happened on this, but it's really taught me that, what is energizing to me and exciting is is the work and it's not the fame and uh my team everyone around me do, uh, kind of 
I, I don't think I've communicated since I sat down for my first meeting with my manager and said, I want to be the biggest artist in the world. And I haven't really <laughs> said anything different since. And then I was like, actually, I want to be someone who does like project to project, different things and just employed and busy and respected and able to exercise everything that's in my brain. That's what I want. Yeah. You know, if I am the biggest artist in the world as well, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I... Yeah, and I had to, you know, we actually have a meeting recently where I was like, oh, I've realised I haven't communicated with you this. And much like everything in life, I'm expecting people to read my mind. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah. If yeah. I actually say what I mean, that can be worked on. Yeah, because you get to have these arguments in your own head for weeks on end. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why don't they understand this? And, and then, then, like, and, Did and you then ever you'll say casually it? mention it at some point and think, oh, they haven't, they haven't heard the full backstory of this. This has been my last month. I completely yeah. relate. But... You mentioned how exhausting it can be to fight for kind of your vision, but I just want to be a voice to quickly say, keep keep doing it because it fucking works and you've got something really good to fall back on when your mind is struggling on any of that or it's feeling too much of a fight is, I do this all the time. Again, the fact is that that wouldn't have got through anyone's tick boxes of what works for radio and what's going to be the hit. I was lucky that that that, uh, our first song was a a song called Thou Shall Always Kill, which had no chorus, no anything. So when we're doing our our second single even, and labels are saying, well, intro's too long, this is that, this is that, we're like, well, no, that's how the song is. The one that you signed Mm. us off the back of had no fucking chorus. It was a three-minute rant and it got airplay and whatnot. So you've got that to fall back on, that the... The one that blew up, it wouldn't make sense to any industry heads, if you know what I mean, who are breaking yeah. it down ahead of time. So you can always kind of stand on that resolve and push back. I think like I get a lot from from performance art and stuff, right? I'm like, that exists just because it does, right? And that's the point of it, like yeah. the monotony or the repetition or or anything. And when I'm getting really down and disillusioned and like, well, how do I get on the Radio 1 playlist? How? You know, that goes, that happens to me. I've sit in studios going, well, what's going to get that so everyone will shut up going on about it um (laughs) and i'm like that's not a good place for it to come from at all and i do this all the time came from exactly that feeling of what would a performance artist do it's no rules it's boundaryless and it's exactly whatever it is is what it is and that's why it exists and uh that helps me when i when i'm getting a bit bogged down in it all but you know this i've got a single out now that is on the c list at radio one and everyone was like so happy and obviously it's great i'm happy for everybody who really wanted me to be on a playlist but the agony it's caused me and the 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 way it's uh made me question my worth to get there i'm like is that worth it and and i'm it would be. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, you joined me at a very conflicted part of my life where I'm like, I feel like I'm David Byrne, right? And yeah. I want to do all these things and I'm going to be 70 and have a new record, right? That's what I want. But I'm in a, in a world that still sees me, I think, as a, you know, if you squint, I'm a 20-something pop star and we need to market me like that. And I cosplay pop and I love pop and, and all, all the things that come with it. But like the real me is, I don't know, loads of different things. And I think it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to go forward, but I'm, I'm going to do it. Mate, the, again, <laughs> I completely understand the the celebration of playlist placement and things like that, even if it's the C list, the B list, the A list, any of the lists at Radio 1. They're powerful lists. But <laughs> the playlist that's most important is the young LGBTQ kid who lives 
two miles up my road who's got mm-hmm. your music on their playlist mm-hmm. on loop and it's making exactly. them learn so much and making them realize so much about themselves and about life they're the fucking playlist that count mate not not the the playlist that have got a plugger and all these other commissioners <laughs> who are going well we're doing them a favour because that label's involved here or whatever else, you know. So it's that, isn't it? We we had a like a bit of a phase where they were like, "Can you prove that you've got a younger fan base?" And I was like, "No, because <laughs> I haven't." But I've got all these people in their thirties going. I wish I heard that when I was eighteen, yeah. and and me me too. Like I wish I existed when I was a teen, even in my twenties. Like, and I, there's nothing more I can say than that, really. So I don't know. It's a lot of what I do in my work, therapy, and things like that. It's like my brain just goes all day every day and if i zoom out a bit and look at it and and see where i am i'm podcasting all day with exciting interesting people who want to talk to me about my work you've made it shut the fuck up get on with it don't matter what you look like 100 <laughs> percent. but then again the other side of that is also what is going to continue to drive you so that's that's mm-hmm. a good thing um well getting away from the kind of work bit slightly and going back to the art bit slightly we're going to go back to work stuff honestly i promise but can we talk a little bit about because there's a few bits on your records where i know from my days as a writer when this particular rhyme or this particular couple of rhymes hit you you will have been absolutely buzzing (laughs) and i think there's no feeling like it again fuck all the playlists and all that is that moment when you're writing that you go oh shit that 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 clicks that clicks (laughs) I How recently realised, yeah, I was like, I can never be higher than when that happens. Yeah. That feeling when I've done it in the studio and then I go home and then that walk back to the studio the next day to see what it sounds like is better than any drug, any booze, any yeah. any sex, anything I've ever done. And that's why I know I've got to do it. When I was writing I'm Fine and it was, God, I can't even remember my own lyrics here, but I really needed to speak about this shitty thing that had happened to me and mm. the idea and that the lyric, does it make you feel manly? When the, I wrote that, I, was, I honestly ascended to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still not coming down. It still gives me such a narcissist, but I, it gives me goosebumps. I'm not a narcissist. That's not true. I should no. be allowed to celebrate myself. Exactly. Uh, I still get such a buzz off being able to communicate what I needed to communicate and it rhyming. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it's such a buzz because, again, the, the, it can be what rap always got for years was kind of the attack of, oh, it's just people doing rhymes it's like nurse rhymes it's like no 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 if you can get a really intricate specific story into the rhymes that's where the art is that's where Mm. it becomes special and exciting because it's a jigsaw puzzle and Mm -hmm. Mm. you've got you've got all of language (laughs) and you've got to try and make it all fit together in this really specific pattern that you've you've you've, it's already drawn that story again as fucking horrible as is it's happened that yep. thing has happened to you in your life or whatever else. Now you need to take all of this and make it fit in this specific pattern. And the buzz when that clicks is yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> it's really fun to talk about. And, I, and people don't usually talk to me about it. But yeah, it is. That's why I do this. This is what drives me more than and, anything. <laughs> another, th- again, I'm, I'm making this whole podcast about my own experiences. Because as I said, I've, I've felt so many parallels and, and, yeah, and connections yeah. there. But do you ever again you do that thing where you've you've written this track you've gone back to the studio the next day to hear how it sounds do you ever have that moment of problem is i don't really know where that came from and i don't know <laughs> if i can do it again because again every album i finished i was like yeah i've got away with that 
that's that fucking good. And I don't know, who, I don't know who wrote it. I I did a thing a, a, a while ago where I did an online. Fans could ask me questions about lyrics and stuff, and I was terrible at it because <laughs> half of it I was like, "Yeah, I've no idea how I came up. That's fucking great!" Like again, no, yeah. <laughs> not to blow my own smoke up my own ass, but it was like, "That's a fucking great lyric." Yeah, I've I've no idea. It just it popped into my head. But no, exactly. do you ever have that kind of um, experience? <laughs> I do. I even listened to some slow club a, a bit ago and I was like, oh, that was good. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't remember. It's like it just suddenly happens. I, I don't know. You see, I wasn't a songwriter for a long time in a way. I I, I was always singing backing vocals for various men. And yeah. as a kid, like I would be like, like I nearly played cricket professionally. Wow. <laughs> I would play tennis. I did dancing and singing and acting. did everything. I just wanted to be a part of everything and anything. And it wasn't like choosy and I was singing in bands because I thought bands were cool and then I only became a songwriter because I was like I can do that and then yeah it's crept up on me to but but now it's my safest thing about me is that I know I can do it (laughs) but I do have blocks on like how did we get there and and because of that you have this fear that you might never get there again and I went in the studio recently to start album three and was like oh shit (laughs) it's gone there's nothing and then I did I did do a little bit of something and I left and I felt really miserable about it but because i'm quite burnt out and stuff i was like i think it's just because of that and then listened back and it bangs it's gonna be great it's gonna be fine (laughs) i love it and i love the idea of of you having that doubt and then opening up your um your notes app and finding just shit that again that was always the thing for me so i don't remember writing that but it's on my phone it's in my notes app i must have written it it's three years old but there we go I do want to talk about the 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 soundtracking of the play because that I, I was buzzing when I saw that announcement. But before we get to that, you touched upon singing backing vocals for men for a long time and stuff like that. Can we talk a little bit about the industry because we were on in a lot of the same scene at mm. a lot of the same time, but there's a lot of the industry that, as a man, I wouldn't have had to encounter. Or I, um, I mean, I probably would have benefited from because I'm, I'm male. Even if it's just being left the fuck alone by creepy men or creepy singers or dramas or bassists or whoever else it is or A and R's. How's that been to kind of navigate that the industry? And how do you feel? Do you feel it's changing? Do you feel it needs more of a kick up the ass? What are you kind of? I know that's a huge question. On what, <laughs> what do you think of misogyny in the in the music industry? No, which it's is fine. A fucking, it's not even that bad. Yeah, no, it's a big fucking. It's a I hell benefit of a question, from it. But yeah. No, it. Yeah, no. I mean, I could talk about this all day. Like, it's been interesting. Certainly, I feel like no, it hasn't changed that much. But what? But because it's in the zeitgeist and socially, yeah. um, there is a tentativeness and a sort of fear. <laughs> that I feel I feel like I'm respected out of fear or I'm treated well because <laughs> people are scared that if they don't I'll put them on blast on Twitter or something but if you actually look at it I don't ever do that like but I yeah I I'm interested to see what happens in the next 10 years like and how people are treated but the biggest thing for me and the thing I like to be really open and transparent about is I was complicit for a very long time like I was raised to be you know, your aim of life was to be like hot, get married, survive and keep yourself safe. And keeping yourself safe was often to be shape-shifty and people-pleasy and 
you know, just get on with it. I don't know if that makes sense, but it were like, and it's really awkward and hard to say, but I didn't notice sexism was constant and everywhere because mm. I, we used to walk down the street and if someone said, cat called you, it was a relief that you were what, hot? I mean, it's so gross to say, but like, yeah. that's the thing that we don't talk about. And that's the thing that I, again, kept myself in these situations where I was treated secondary but didn't notice because that felt like that was the goal of yeah being yeah. here it's really hard to be eloquent about but obviously that's hard enough anyway but then put that in in the most unregulated uncareful industry which is the music industry but the indie music scene where there is like naught pence to get from a to b so you are paying someone and if they are inappropriate you can't kick off because how are you going to get to the next show? You know, yeah, that yeah. was just like over and over. And then there's other things, you know, for me, I did pretty well. A lot of worse shit could have happened to me, but a lot of shit did happen to me. And I just, I think it changes slowly and it's, and it's, it, it started a bit, but then still on my last tour, I, I, I need to stop telling this story, but you know, there's five girls in my band and this is cl it's clunky to say only women need to look in a mirror before they go on stage. That's my caveat. But like for argument's sake, mirrors are really important to us. Light is really important to us. But I'm still playing venues. Some venues are like 400 cap venues or whatever and I'm completely fine with that. But you go into these dressing rooms and there's nothing. If there's a mirror, it's covered in stickers. There's no light. Mm. It's catered to men. They're all, every, the infrastructure of the whole thing is male-orientated or men thrive in it better because yeah. uh, we're still dealing with this like rock and roll uh, idea of it all which is just <laughs> bullshit yeah. so anyway long story long on my last tour i did a, i did a bit of a tweet thread about there was no mirror there's no light the promoter just stood there whilst we were getting changed it's just like when like how is this ever going like yeah. And, and the knock-on effect of that is they are, they are always asking me like why aren't there more women on lineups and I'm like because not many women can be asked to still do it like yeah. I think there's, an, there's a lot of women make music but it's to certainly headline you need to be what a decade into your career probably and like yeah. most people don't stick it out I can't believe I have I've gone mad in the process and I you know really come close to the edge a lot of times and it sounds mad to say it's all about stickers on mirrors but that the granular like the start of it is that and it's not a place for women never has been and if to survive you've got to be like so complicit and so cool with whatever and if you're not then they'll just replace you so that's that's sorry that's a long answer no no it's it's yeah i realized and I, i've done this tweet thread and then the promoter was like oh, i guess you don't want to play my show tonight then at the venue and i was like number one i'm not even in your city yet yeah. <laughs> like check the time yeah. i tweeted this when i was in the last city i was in where this happened and like no even that yeah i got made to feel really naughty really bad for saying what don't stand in the dressing room when we get changed and can we have a mirror you're a diva, you're a princess, you need too much. And I'm like, that's why we're fucked. That's why it's fucked. And that's yeah. why you so much shit can happen. Because there's very much on the touring scene, there's a standard of what you, you, you should be allowed to require or want. And that isn't that flexible. Outside of that, as you say, you're a dickhead or a diva. Mm -hmm. I remember mm -hmm. towards the, the end of my touring days, I'd stop drinking. And the amount of hassle it would be, to replace one of the crates of beer or whatever that's on the rider with something else, with anything else, mm -hmm. with some kind of specific mm -hmm. thing. And they'll be like, well, where do we get that? It's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, It's mm -hmm. not going to cost you anymore. I'm just mm -hmm. saying I don't just want the standard, yeah. here's two crates of Red Stripe or, or yeah. whatever else. Like, You can save your money on that. 
This is yeah. a good thing. This is a positive. Exactly, I know. But exactly. You, as you say, you seem, and again, that will be magnified hugely by the fact, number one, you're a touring party of, of women, and number two, you're not just going out there and playing guitars for them kind of thing. You're, 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 you're making, you're unashamedly making pop and different variations and putting on a show and mm-hmm. caring. Again, it's a mm-hmm. weird thing if there was a whole period in this whole industry that it wasn't cool at all to give a shit. And again, <laughs> it used to crack me up because you came to any of our shows and I was fucking, again, I still on, on set these days, I'm probably insufferable because every day I'm like, how am I getting to do this? This is mental. Yeah. And that's what it was like mm. with touring. It was like, how yeah. mad is this that I get to come and <laughs> play and all these people are here and they, and they give a shit. But yeah, it's a weird industry and it's going to sound like an odd comparison, but it was a huge thing two years ago now in the British wrestling industry where a lot of people were exposed, a lot of men were exposed for being horrible cunts, essentially. Mm. (laughs) And it really made me think of the indie scenes and things like that because so many of these men were outcasts at school and no one gave a shit. And then they managed to write a song and suddenly there's women throwing themselves at them. And this isn't to make any excuse their behavior it's to kind of give a a, a a timeline of how these people become these people because mm-hmm. i think a lot of men w- w- won't realize that they've gone along this path because it's not obvious but i think it's really bad in in the music industry because again so many of these dudes particularly in the indie scene at that time were clearly little outcasts or whatever else and then they write when you're kind of like your razor lights and that kind of thing. And that, this isn't me attacking razor light at all. I don't know them. This isn't, I'm just thinking that kind of band yeah, suddenly yeah. became really popular. There was mm-hmm. all these little indie kids who suddenly were heartthrobs mm. and they don't know how to fucking act. And again, mm. to be clear, it's not excusing them. It's saying someone needs to teach these mm-hmm. <laughs> these people how mm-hmm. to act or they mm-hmm. need to teach themselves how to act because mm-hmm. it's not acceptable continuing how it, it was, how it is. And as you mm-hmm. say, the only positive now is, there's more of a spotlight on it, I guess. There's more yeah. people looking at it and questioning it. Yeah. I always maintain as well, like, not to go on about money again, but like, it's like we were so, we we lived off what we made and we, we toured with whatever we had. Like, there was no support anywhere financially. Mm. So, so much of, and and I'm no one in the band even knew half of the things. So, no, I'm not saying like anyone could have done anything, but I swallowed down a lot of, things I would want to say or things that weren't okay because if I kicked off or if I was a problem that would jeopardize our career or the rest else, of our right? thing yeah, yeah. And, and when you're representing four people you know or more who aren't having a bad time who aren't the the world isn't frightening every day to them and I'm just being the vibe killer you know and you know I see that now and I I'm sure had I the tools to communicate that I have now uh, and I said that things would have been different but I didn't because I was I'm so predisposed to be like don't be any trouble Mm. you know and and what I see now and certainly the album I just put out is about really is that like of course I'm a bit more fucking trouble because every day of my life I'm frightened for my safety and we're not being ridiculous there's all the evidence there to prove how much like we can't walk home sometimes we can't you know and all that stress and anxiety and, and all that made me a very unhappy person and then also I was couldn't ever uh, say it or communicate it and also there was no money to facilitate making sure I was safe or you know it all comes down to the fact that the music industry is sort of fucked in terms of money so mm. you know if we had a tour manager that was inappropriate I had to keep my mouth shut because 
we couldn't afford to find anyone else and their rates were good and they and they were doing sound and they were doing, you know or whatever i'm trying to keep it yeah, fake yeah. but yeah, um yeah, yeah. you just have to so when they asked me again like how can it be better how can it be regulated and i'm like if money needs to be spent to keep people safe it's as simple as that you've employed these people you've got no idea who they are and then we're yeah. surprised when weird shit happens <laughs> and that's it anyone essentially can run a venue can open a venue there is no mm-hmm. safe checking kind of situations mm-hmm. in place and again it's understandable that's why we get these rowdy little venues and these can be the most beautiful things yep. but yep. it doesn't have to be one or the other do you know mm-hmm. what i mean it can be both mm-hmm. we can acknowledge that it's not working and say no also i love the venue above a pub that's got probably too many people in but the vibe is yeah, amazing yeah. There's, yeah. there's there's positives in it all but yeah it, it doesn't have to be oh we need to sanitize everything and and no, this and yeah. that but we can still make changes and and look out for people. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, some of my statements are maybe wild and not okay, but uh, yeah, I do think that the bare minimum would be to make them spaces that even think they could have women in there <laughs> as mm. the artists and move from there, really. I mean, still, you know, sound guys not knowing I'm going to play the drums. That's still a thing. And you're like, yeah. we had it all. I did, I did a... Oh my god! I did a podcast about women in music, and then we played some songs on it. And so, Galps, my guitarist, was coming, and the guy running the podcast said, "What times he get here?" <laughs> so I was like, oh my god! But it's fine. It is what it is, and and slow, steady, and slowly it will change. And I don't know, people like me doing this shit might help. Um, we'll see. I really think it will, and I really it excites me that you're now in a position where you can express yourself for you again it's the it's it, it goes back as well to when we were saying about music videos and songs and wanting to do things your way i think on all of these things if you do it your way and it fails is what it is yeah if you yeah. if you if you bend to the will of well we want to get on radio one and it fails it fucking hurts differently it's such a different pain because it's like well no i bent to what you wanted and you still yeah. still don't want me where you're going here's me, take me or leave yeah. me, then that's a powerful thing. If you're going, I'll be as close to what you want as I can, and then they still say no, that's the bit that fucking hurts. That You've just completely summed up why I found being in a band really difficult, because it wasn't completely me, and then we weren't quite getting where yeah. we wanted to be. And I was like, but, yeah, it was the frustration of that was very un <laughs> unhealthy for, for me and I'm and doing it and i'm now, trying to be what you want <laughs> yeah yeah and I, like i know it doesn't it's not gonna work but sure yeah, <laughs> whereas yeah. like self-esteem i do i did feel and still do feel and, and that's a really nice reminder actually it really really made me think again about that because even when i made that first album i was like i am so limitless now and, and i'm protected because i think this is fucking brilliant and that's all that should matter and like that's that's where you should come from all the time mm. with it making making work. It's mad that ultimately the indi- you could be like this artist that makes songs in their bedroom and it's just for you and it's so pure. And then the, the inevitable thing is you would get signed, and the inevitable thing is then you go into the industry in in the, in the way that I'm in it now. But is that it's as soon as you get there, that's the death of the freedom and the death. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's almost like the best music in the world is being made by people you'll never ever ever hear about yeah. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. yeah. People will sign you because they love your unique vision and then they'll tell you what they need your unique vision to be next. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Is and I'm not... like, no, trust me. Tr- trust me. I'm the one that... That's, yeah. I'm, I'm why we're here. 
That's She's another thing that's changed for me. I'm like, because I would trust every. I'm not, I'm not calling anyone out particularly. Just, just in general, this like too many cooks around a pot thing sort mm. of starts to happen, and and I'm not easily led, but I am always sure that someone else must know more than me. <laughs> and no, realizing recently, like, what if I don't think any, you know, anyone particularly knows anything more than me? If they've got a good idea that piques my interest, cool. But uh, trust me, and and that's enough. And 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 I do have to remember that. Because I am a bit. Do late. have to remember that, Rebecca. Back yourself and continue to back yourself. Yes, you know what you're doing. Um, well, before we wrap things up, I'm conscious of time. Um, I want to talk a said about Prima Fassi because I was excited about that anyway. I'm a huge fan of Jodie Whittaker. Oh, yeah. She's fucking amazing. And then when I saw you announced as as doing the soundtrack for it, it seemed completely caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it, but it was hugely exciting. So, how was that to? to work on tell me a little bit about the project and about the school's consent project which both of you are are very much involved in i want to make sure we get some time for this yeah it was so amazing i've always like i've tried to do theater stuff before i nearly put a play on and then things didn't work out with it and um so i've been around theater people for a bit and james beerman who's the producer just got in touch really out the blue and it was a bit of like a cold call and and I wasn't sure what it really was. And then obviously he was in it and the writer is really, really amazing writer and I read it and it, it's like Prioritised Pleasure could score it anyway. Like mm. what what it's dealing with is is kind of what I'm on about. So yeah. uh, it, it wasn't a hard job. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved being sent like a boundaried thing. So like this scene needs to feel like this. This needs to uh, take you here. That You know, I... Every time I write a song, it's boundaryless because it's all of my shit all the time. And that's quite widescreen. Whereas this was very much like, you know, here she is in hospital, here she is in thing. And we I, I mean, I'd love to do more of it because I found it really satisfying and sort of weirdly easy. So I've loved it. And and the play is, you know, it's about that grey area of consent. It's about the way that one in three women have been sexually assaulted, right? Like mm. that's the stat. It's insane. And so many of us most people i know you know you will never go to court you'll never get justice you'll never even be able to talk about it you'll never be able to say it. you just live with it you just crack on with your life and it's part of being a woman and that's what the play is dealing with really the injustice of that and no i don't want to spoil it for you but it, it, it the way that it's very rare to get convictions is mm. highlighted by it and and the school's consent project is sort of my point I was making earlier about like the 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 great granular uh, parts of the systemic shit that we that that keeps you down like that concept it's in school like in school you never taught healthy relationships you never taught mm. anything really about it like and that's the only way to affect change other than just awareness at all is a start but yeah this this charity go into schools and you know talk really openly and frankly with kids about the different nuances of relationships and consent and like how important that is and how that might not be a great big flashing red sign and that you know that's what the play is about and and that's what their sort of mo is i love that and that's the exact time that you can catch humans and make a difference Mm because a short while after the school days we've got all these defences up and we yeah, feel that we're yeah. being attacked or accused. Yeah, um, yeah. You touched upon it earlier with not realising that you maybe went along with some of the, mm. the misogyny mm. or sexism. I know that when I've, in in recent years, the more I've educated myself about racism, I've realised mm. clearly where I've, I've benefited from racism in the past. Mm-hmm. 
and points where I've been, I've had racist outlooks or thoughts in the past, not right at the, uh, oh, not not at the far right end. To, no, yeah. To be specific, well, but there's been things in there where I thought, oh yeah, but I did think that these people did that. Or, or, do you know what I mean? Just silly, ignorant things. And yeah, I think consent is the one that particularly men are most scared of accepting that it's a nuanced thing because we've all been teenagers where we're going, oh, let's all go out and get drunk and there'll be drunk girls there and we'll all be mm. drunk and we're mm. too nervous to, we wouldn't, yeah. you'd never try and pull someone sober. No, yeah. But now you look back and go, right, so was I wrong because I was, because I slept with a drunk girl? And the yeah. answer yeah, isn't yeah. yes or no. The answer no. is how drunk and yeah. how yeah, drunk yeah. were you and what was said beforehand and what was said Uh after and there's there's so much to it but I think because people always have some kind of thing like that in in their youth or in their mindset they get so defensive and shut down going all right so so you can't approach a girl anymore so you can't buy a girl a drink anymore and this and that it's like nah I'm not saying that mate (laughs) I know I hate that I'm like nuance is the key bit (laughs) nuance is the key part it's not a it's not no means no, but loads of other things mean no as well. And yeah, you know, there's there's, there's yeah. loads there's loads in there. And I think because it's so complex, as you say, talking about it at school when mm-hmm. you're learning about all of that is so key and so, mm-hmm. so important because it's a hard thing to catch up on. <laughs> it's like they yeah. always say, learning a language in your forties yeah. is harder <laughs> than learning a language in your teens. Yeah, that's because of how our brains work, man. So to to unlearn all of these things yeah, is yeah. really tough. We need yeah. to start at those. At those roots. So, I mean, yeah. to wrap things up, what's ahead? I'm pleased that I think we discussed it off, Mike, that you're going to have a break and have a little holiday because one week holiday feels like it's much needed. But uh, I'm so excited. I haven't had a holiday since 2016. Anyway, I've never been Mate. like a holiday person. Yeah, and I've never needed one more. Nor have I. Like, I don't know. It's just going to be fab. Yeah. But uh, except, I'm doing that. Except now that you're going to have work thoughts in your <laughs> yeah, head. You can't escape it. Again, that's oh, the thing absolutely. that I've had in the past where I beat myself yeah. up like, I'm trying to have a holiday, but again, it's why I stopped having holidays for exactly that yeah, reason. Like, yeah. Well, but yeah, Works more fun than fun. That's always been my my yeah. catchphrase in a way. Like, I love it. Relaxing to me is working and thinking or creating, yeah. but I actually think finally I do need to just lay down. But I'm going to read books and shit like that and I'll probably, yeah, ideas from that and whatnot. But yeah, I'm doing that. Um, I'm at every festival you've ever heard of all summer long. That's, I was like, looking at your festival lineup, to and that's the other to... thing I was going to say is also remember the festivals are work. So you're allowed yeah. some time off in between. Because, again, I remember yeah. festival seasons where we were doing two to – I think the most we did in one weekend was five, but two to five festivals every weekend and thinking, oh, but I'm at a festival. It's fun. <laughs> I've, I, that's my time off. And then in the week, kind of n- 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 knuckling down on other stuff. It's like, nah, that's that's – Fucking, that's going to be, it's going yes. to be joy, but it's going to be work. Oh, so, well, I've make now sure you take finally, time off. <laughs> yes. Well, I've got, we've, I've been very strict on that. So I'm hoping to give us like three days of chill or writing and then Love it. festivals. We are now, you know what changes everything is a bus with beds on. Like, Amazing. Yeah. Like we've, I've never had that. I've always wanted that. And it means, you know, you look at the spreadsheet and you take home quite a lot less money, but I'm like, it is worth it if I can sleep and have some privacy 100%. and lay down. So I'm intimidated by the summer, but because of the bus, <laughs> I feel like I can do anything. And also the girl in my band, we we are so in love with each other. And, it, it, you know, obviously, I don't know how long it'll last until someone falls out with someone, but at the moment it's so such a loving and so much fun, which does make it 
you know, a lot easier when it yeah. is like that. So yeah, all that. And then I have asked for September onwards to be a nice, big, chunky thinking time. I want to experiment. I want to try different ways of writing. I want to go some other places and work in different ways and see what happens with the next album. I love it. I'm excited for all that is ahead. And I appreciate you taking the time to come and have a chat. No, I said, I know great. it's a busy schedule, so I, I, I genuinely appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, you're really good at this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Aww. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. What an amazing artist human person i couldn't have enjoyed that conversation more i know they were at the end of a long day of promo but they were just so easy to talk to and it was a joy if this is your first time tuning in check out all the episodes with k tempest check out as i said the joe talbot the sleaford mods episodes i've had loads of good people on all the the franks there's a load of franks in music i've had all of them on I've had some good people on, basically, is is what I'm telling you. So, yeah, thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that. If you did, please shout about it. Please shout about Self-Esteem's work. And I'll be back next week with more of the same, more wonderful chat for your ears for free. Enjoy, and I will talk to you soon. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. And go and listen to Prioritise Pleasure. It's a b- b- banger of an album. All right, nice one. Ta-ta. <laughs>